We're talking about, last Sunday I began by speaking about what a friend, and we want to talk about true friendship. And you know, the whole idea of friendship is not something that man created. It is something that God started, you know, in each of our lives. God has given us this gift of friendship. See, all of us were born as babies. I hope. <laughs> but when God created man, he did not create a baby and then allow that baby to grow in total dependence upon him and to know him as father. He wanted to introduce the whole idea of friendship right there in the Garden of Eden itself. Therefore, God created man, a man, a man who was an adult, a man who could know and understand him, a man that he could walk and fellowship with, a man that who could, you know, be real with, and to know him as a real, wonderful, loving, compassionate, funny God. I'm sure if you've got sad friends, you don't want to be with them all of the time. It's good to be with them, but not all of the time. You're like guys who will be able to care to, you know, you can talk freely with, you can laugh with. Come on, amen. You can be yourself. Friends whom you could uh, rebuke and who could take a rebuke. Friends that, you know, who would also correct you and you can take their correction. Friends that you can disagree with be, be, uh, and not become disagreeable. Friends, that you will not take offense and who will not take offense at the way you deal with each other. Come on, amen. That's the way God created us to be. That's how he wanted to enter into this fellowship. That when he rebuked us or when we hear a hard word from the pulpit, we don't go, hey, you want to pastor preacher? You know, at one time somebody came to me and said, Pastor, why are you hit me in the message? I said, I got no time to think about just you when I preach. There's so many other people that need to hear the word. And so sometimes the word gets to us and we feel like, oh, he's speaking on me. No, no, no. We just preach the word, what we believe should be shared with the congregation. And if it hurts you, it's good. As long as I can feel conviction, it is good. Come on, amen. Once you stop feeling pain in your body in a certain part, it's dangerous. It's good that when you are pricked, you feel pain. If you're pricked and feel no pain, you're in danger. Amen? So God created us with the whole idea of, of us trying to, to understand him as more than an austere father, but as an awesome friend. That's how he wants it to be. That's why Jesus said, I don't want you to, guys to, I don't want you to be servants. I don't want to call you servants kind of thing. I want to call you friends so that we can be real with each other, not get upset with each other. When I tell you stuff, you guys don't get offended. Can you imagine Jesus turned around and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Said to Peter, he didn't say to the devil. <laughs> said to Peter, Peter, Satan. <laughs> Pointing a finger straight at him. Get thee Peter could have gone, hey, yo, you call me the devil, huh? But he took it. He understood the whole spirit behind it. Amen? So we want to go because uh, someone once said, 
The idea of friends forever is a myth because loyalty is dead. And if you've had friends like that, you kind of say, yeah, that's true. But yet at the same time, we know this is not true because they are friends who are closer, who stay with you. Come on, amen. It's just that in my whole, you know, right now after the passing on of our very, very good friend, Sister Betty, you kind of evaluate and begin to see who, what true friends really are. And of course, as a preacher, you want to go into the word and find out what's the word? How does the word describe true friends? So this morning, I want to talk uh, about friends. Benjamin Franklin said, uh, Benjamin Franklin said this, be slow in choosing friends, slower still in changing them. Be slow in choosing friends, slower still in changing them. So this morning, we want, I want to look at these guys who I feel would be good friends. We're going to look at Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through verse 12. Mark chapter 1 and verses, uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through verse 12. I'm reading more from a contemporary version. And it says this, several days later, Jesus returned to Capernaum and the news of his arrival spread quickly through the city. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there wasn't room for a single person more, no, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on the stretcher. We're all familiar with the story. They couldn't get to Jesus through the crowd, so they dug through the clay roof above his head and lowered the sick man on his stretcher right down in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw how strongly they believed that he, he would help, Jesus said to the sick man, Son, your sins are forgiven. He said to the sick man. But some of the Jew, Jewish religious leaders said to themselves as they said there, What? This is blasphemy. Does he think he is God? For only God can forgive sins. Jesus could read their minds. How many of you know that Jesus can read our minds? Right, good. And said to them at once, Why does this bother you? I, the Messiah, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. But talk is cheap. Anyone could say that. So I'll prove it to you by healing this man. Then turning to the paralyzed man, he commanded, Pick up your stretcher and go to your home. Go on home, for you are healed. The man jumped up, took the stretcher, pushed his way through the stunned onlookers. Then how they praised God. We've never seen anything like this before, they all exclaimed. Last Sunday, I spoke to you about Job's three friends. And they are wonderful friends, very good friends. But how many of you know that sometimes very good friends can become a bit cantankerous? They can become a bit self-righteous. And so later on, what happens in their self-righteousness, they tell Job exactly why he was suffering. It's because you sin, you know, and then they use nature, they use the surrounding, they use all kinds of stuff to prove that Job must have done something wrong. And the Bible says that God did not like what they said. And so what happens is, in, at the end of the story, Job prays for them, and they were healed, giving an indication that because of what they said, Good friends said to their friend, they got sick in some way or another. And so God had to heal them. Had to heal them. 
But today, you know, and, and, and I was thinking about this and I thought, well, actually, it is not very difficult to love a good friend. Is that true? Job was the perfect man, the Bible says. Right? So it's not difficult to love a lovable person. <laughs> it's easy because there was nothing wrong with Job. Job was the kind of guy that you could get along. You would love to be with Job. Uh, I mean, he also had lots of parties and lots of makan because he had a lot of money. Right? So it's not difficult to love a friend like Job. But in our setting this morning, I want to talk to you about how do you respond to an ungodly, ungrateful person who is your friend. Because that's what this guy was. If you look at the story carefully, I mean, he never asked to be taken to Jesus in the first place. Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven you before he does anything else. Jesus has never said that to anybody else except to this guy. Which means that he had a bigger problem than his paralysis. It's the kind of lifestyle that he led that eventually caused him to become paralyzed. So before he could be healed, he had to be forgiven. Then the healing would come. Come on, amen. So this guy was not a nice guy. Why do I say he was ungrateful? If you notice, when he got healed, he just picked up his mat, rushed through the crowd. He didn't praise God. The crowd praised God. But there was no gratefulness in him to say, Jesus, thank you, I'm healed. I mean, I'm healed. I mean, anyone who's get healed like that, miraculous healing, would jump up, hug the guy and say, oh, I'm so grateful, fall at his feet. The guy who was a demoniac, when he was delivered, he says, I want to follow you the rest of my days. Jesus said, no, 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 go back and tell all the good things God has done for you. But this guy, man, not a sense of gratefulness. Tremendous miracle. All right? And yet, he's not. So that's why I said, he's not a godly person. So, these friends were definitely friends who had been touched by the goodness of God. Somehow they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. That's why they brought him to Jesus. Everybody following with me? All right. Now, how do I apply this? You who have been touched by God, who have got ungodly friends on the outside, who mix and mingle with them almost all the time, Friends whom you dare not share Jesus with them because if you do, they're going to mock you. They're not going to be very happy with what you have to say. You've got friends who are ungodly, who say things that you don't like to hear, but you have to be there because they are your friends. I'm talking about how do we handle these people. And I trust that you have got them as your friends. Because if your friends are only church people, then we've got a little bit of a problem. Because Jesus does not want all the salt together in one place. You are the salt of the earth, therefore he wants to sprinkle it out into the world. You notice that Jesus, when he came, he didn't take his disciples and all the time be with his disciples. He went out to some of the parties that none, nobody would go to. He went into Matthew's home where there was a big party going on because Matthew invited him. He went into the home of Zacchaeus who invited him. I mean, who didn't really invite him, but he just, I want to go to your house. Where nobody would go to, he went. Christians sometimes are so, you know, uh, uh, they, they want to protect themselves. And so they keep saying, you know, we shouldn't go to all these kind of things. Go, go there. Huh? That's, uh, we become like them. We start talking like them. Jesus, can you imagine Jesus saying this? I was born in a manger. I better stay here because outside got demons. Outside got all kinds of sinful people. I better not go out. 
And for the rest of my life, I just stay with my father in a carpenter shop. His idea was, I'm going to go out there and let people know what it is like to live life to the fullest without doing the kind of stuff they do. And I want to invite them into this life that I have. Christ has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. I want them to be involved in this life. I want them to share this life that I'm having. Can I hear an amen? Don't have this, this I shared in, in our Bible study, don't have, you know, that holiness is not cloister, which means we all just get together, a bunch of good people just getting together. Acts chapter 10 verse 38 says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, who went about doing good. Did you hear me? And healing all who are oppressed of the devil. But it begins with doing good. The problem I find with believers is they all want to be good, but don't do good. The anointing of the Holy Spirit, how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit so that he could do good. He was already good. Perfect in every way. A man with no sin. Tempted in all points like as we are. No sin. But God anointed him so that he could do good. Come on, can I hear an amen? So this morning, the message I'm, I'm talking basically about reaching out to our friends. And there are four basic things that I feel we all need that these guys had. The first thing is they had concern. They believed that Jesus would help. In other words, they believed that their friend needed help. In spite of, you know, uh, his, his whole attitude or the way he lived or, or the condition he was in, he needed help. And the first thing that must come to our minds is this, that our friends need help and Jesus is the only one. Come on. No, but they are not paralyzed in their bodies, but they are paralyzed in their spirits. They are paralyzed in their souls. That's why they cannot do what, you know, you would expect of people. The Bible, in fact calls every person on the planet, if you're not a believer, dead in sins. Now they are alive. What does it mean? They are alive on the external, but dead on the inside, paralyzed on the inside. And our concern for them must be greater than just sympathy. It's not good enough to stand at the funeral of a friend and say, well, you're too bad, huh? I wish that they had known Jesus like it should go more than that. If we are saying that, my point is, why didn't I do something to at least share? This is not to bring any condemnation on any one of us, but listen, we have been created, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, to, uh, you know, the workmanship of God to do good works. To do good works, come on, to share, to minister to them. Like I said last Sunday morning, Dale Carnegie said, these people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Our greatest concern should be the eternal welfare of our friends. That's our greatest concern. Our greatest concern is not where can we go and have the next meal. Our greatest concern should be the eternal welfare of our friends. Many years ago, Pastor Lifan and I woke up one morning and each of us had the dream of a certain individual. So I felt in my heart, if we both had a dream of this person, I need to call this person. And I called the person up. 
and said, can I meet with you? You know, and that time we were in section six and the person took time off. He was so good enough to take time off from the office. His busy schedule came and sat there. We had a conversation. And my first statement, I said, I am very concerned about the eternal welfare of your soul. Because we both had the dream. I said, we both had a dream and I just want you to know we are very concerned. We went into a conversation. But the point is, we have to come to a place where we have to show concern must spill over into action. Concern that is just kept within will just border on, on sympathy. That's about it. But concern always. God was so concerned about mankind, of Israel, his people, that he sent the deliverer called Moses. Through the different periods when they sinned against God and they went back against God, God was still concerned and sent many judges. Then he raised up wonderful kings. Bad, there were some bad kings, but the point is God was always concerned. And eventually he said, listen, I sent my prophets, they killed them. I sent all my guys down, you guys slaughtered them. I will send my only son in the parable that he told. Perhaps they will understand this is the son of the king. But what did they do? They killed him. The concern of God overflowed from heaven to earth. He sent his only begotten son. Come on, amen. Brother Gore sent an article the other day about this salesman. All the salesmen were rushing to go. I'm sure some of you received that one. Rushing in the airport to get on a flight. And in their rush, they knocked over an apple table. All the apples fell all over the place. And so they all rushed and went up to the gate. And one guy stopped and he thought about the apple thing. He said, just call my wife, tell her I'll be arriving late on a later flight. And he went back, set, put the table back on and started to pick up all the apples and put them back on the table. And he realized that there was a little girl who was selling the apples who, were blind, who was blind. And eventually the girl asked him a question. Are you Jesus? And he said, no, no, Jesus is this wonderful, good person. And he began to talk about how good Jesus is. And she said, I asked because I prayed. And I said, Jesus, will you please help me find my apples? See, it is not just anointed Jesus to do good. It's not just the healing and the delivering and the power and all of that. Sometimes as Pentecostal Christians, we feel that we've got to do all this wonderful thing. I must be like Jesus. I must cast out devils. I must do this. Preach to God. Listen, what he wants is just for us to do little things. Help somebody pick up their apples. Be concerned enough, come on, amen, to help somebody along the way. Number two, they had not only concern, but they also had commitment. They couldn't get to Jesus. They tried, but they couldn't, but they didn't give up. Sometimes you hear people who speak on leadership and how to be successful in the world. And they will tell you very clearly, don't hang out with turkeys. Hang out with eagles. If you hang out with turkeys, you will be a turkey. If you hang out with eagles, you will be an eagle. Well, this guy was a turkey. <laughs> Do you know what Jesus, one of the titles for Jesus was, what they gave him as a title? Friend of sinners. He was not friend of successful people. He was friend of sinners. Imagine God Almighty 
walking on a planet filled with nothing but sinners and transforming their lives. Come on, amen. That's what we're supposed to be. So they didn't say, hey, <laughs> what, <laughs> this guy, I mean, how do I have fellowship with him? He's such a nasty guy. Now he's paralyzed already. We just, once in a while, just visit him, say hello, send him a little text. That's fine. But they were what I've been referring to from last Sunday and now, covenantal friends. And this is what I pray God will build among ourselves, covenantal friends. Whether you're down and out, whether you're up and riding, whatever it is, we are still friends. Come on, amen? We have to commit ourselves to each other as friends. Okay, that's five of you. Five is better than none. <laughs> I remember talking to Brother Risha when I, when I first met him in Ipoh. I was speaking at a camp, at the camp meeting and everything else. And I called Risha later on. I saw Risha. He always had this nice smile. Huh? 20 years ago. Pastor Lifans keeps time. She remembers everything 20 years ago. But I called him out and I talked to him and I said, Brother Risha, if you can, be a friend to your pastor. Your pastor does not need a whole congregation. He just needs a few people to be his friend. It's good to have covenantal friends. With Job, it was three friends. With this guy, it was four friends. But they were friends who committed to him. They somehow decided they were going to do something to help him. They decided that there was nothing that would stop them from bringing him to the Lord. Have I committed myself to reaching out to the people that I know, whom I work with? I've shared with you, you know, how a very simple way of doing this is just to say out of the 7 billion people in the world, I'm working with you. Why am I working with you? Because God loves you. I mean, you could have met anybody else. I could have been working with anybody else. But he put me with you. Why with you? Because he loves you. Jonathan has seen me do this in a restaurant with a waitress. Why is it you are serving me? Because God loves you. Come on. Yeah, what? Uh, very shy. Huh? Why? You've got the greatest news. What's shy? What's shy? It's the best product. Christ himself. We go all out with doing, uh, pushing other products, sell Christ. Some of us push restaurants more than we push Christ. This restaurant good, that restaurant good. This one. <laughs> Come on. All right, if you can't say amen, at least say ouch. All right. <laughs> they had this sense of urgency. There was this wall of people, but that didn't stop them. What is stopping you from reaching out to your friend? You've got to ask yourself, do I really love Christ the way I say I love Christ? Do I really believe that God loves people? What is stopping us? Come on, amen. See, we've got to go beyond the walls of the church. Push through. Wall of people. Okay, I can't get through. This roof. <laughs> I, 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 we've got to get through it. Do you know how... how Difficult it is sometimes. I'll talk about that in just a moment. But it, it was hard. 
But they didn't give up. There was a sense of urgency. It's like Jesus is here today. While I have the time, I better do it. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day. I do not know what tomorrow may bring. Something can happen and then later on, I had that opportunity. I should have done something. Why didn't I say something I should have said? Never forget coming back in Kwantan to my house. And I come back home. We are staying in this terrace house opposite was semi-deep uh, kind of single-story bungalows. And I come back and I, and I see for the first time the house across us. They had four sons, all little, little boys. For the first time I see that house. Hey, how come uh, all the glass got white paper? Found out that there was, I, I didn't know at that time, you know, Chinese believe you must cover all the glass. Somebody dies. The man had died. So I asked the neighbor, I said, what happened? He said, very sad, David. He said, why, why, what happened? He went up to the Turuntun building. Huh? Michael, you all will know that building. Jumped down. Taylor. But business was bad. People were buying pants and shirts off the rack. Nobody was going to the tailor shop. And the wife is crying, saying, if I only knew. And I said to myself, if I could only have spoken a little bit of, you know, dialect that they were speaking, I could have shared Christ, but I didn't get the opportunity. There's a sense of urgency. It's like we've, Jesus is in our town. He's in this house. Let's get this man there now. While it is still day, do it. But we do not know what tomorrow might bring. Come on, friends. Share with your friends. What if they say no? What if they say yes? That's the thing we've got to ask, tell ourselves. What if they say yes? If they say no, fine. If they laugh at me, fine. It's okay. Those of you who are in sales, you know out of a hundred uh, sales that you try to make, if they, you get one or two, you're happy. Scammers try millions of times before they get one or two and they're happy. Come on. Isn't that true? They send out millions of messages hoping that somebody would respond. And sure enough, people respond. Somebody said, yes, why can't we do the same thing? Christ, a sense of urgency, a sense of responsibility. I am the only one. Guys, we are the only ones who can help him. He's got no other friends but us. Let's do this together. Come on, amen. Number three, they had confidence. They had confidence that there was hope even for the worst of the worst. Yeah, this one cannot one. Very difficult one. That's what everybody would have said. That's what the church people said about me. But I thank God my brother didn't give up on me. Only person who was saved, Pastor Andrew Ramaya, kept praying and praying and praying. Six years, eventually, four people in our family got saved. Bam, straight away. Amazing. Then one by one, then one by one, whole family got saved. But he never gave up. The more he prayed, the worse I became. I graduated from smoking to taking drugs. Bad graduation. Nobody came for my graduation day. I thank God Jesus was there. There was Jesus. Parents give up. Teachers gave up. Friends wouldn't want to come close to me. Who would? When you are a guy like that. But there was Jesus. Never gave up. And I thank him that he never gave up. 
He kept coming. I have the answer. There was this confidence. There's hope for the worst. They had confidence that Jesus would make a difference in their friends' lives. I like what it says. When Jesus saw how strongly they believed that he would help. Now, I want you to understand that their faith was not as great as the centurion's faith. The centurion said, speak the word, my servant will be healed. Right? The Syrophoenician woman came and said, even dogs eat the crumbs that fall off the table. Great is your faith. They didn't have that kind of faith. In fact, you know, uh, when you talk about Jairus, Jairus took Jesus to the house. I will bring Jesus to my house. They could have easily gone out and said, Jesus, would you please come to my house, to my friend's house? Easier than carrying him all the way there. So they believed in him, but their faith was not as strong as all the others. Somehow they believed, in, no, no, it's not right for us to go and ask Jesus to come. It's better that we take our friend to that place. Amen? They had confidence that Jesus would come. And sometimes, you know, Jesus sees the level of our faith. And he meets us at the level of our faith. Jesus saw their faith and healed the man. Didn't see the man's faith, but yet the man received the blessing because somebody else had faith. Amen? This is so important. My friend does not believe, but do you believe? Can I carry him in my prayers? Am I concerned enough, committed enough to not give up praying for them? Every day before I go to work, Lord, I want to bring this particular person. Can you imagine if each one of us brings one person to the Lord? Just one. In a whole year, one. The church would double. Come on, amen. Isn't that true? If we are just committed to that one, pray for that one, that single one, every day I will not give up. I want to bring this person to Christ. Even if they resist, even if they are bad, even they, whatever they do, I am committed to this one person. And I will pray for this one person. Come on, amen. It was, their, their, their faith was not as strong as others, but they did have faith nonetheless. They still believe that even when I pray, he will hear me. He will answer me when I pray. Last of all, they had cooperation. Cooperation. So I see them sitting, if, you, if they were young people at Starbucks, if they were older people, they were at a kopitiam, sitting and having a conversation. So they talk about the latest breaking news, breaking news. What's the breaking news? This rabbi who's going around healing people, casting out demons, we have never seen anything like this. He must be the Messiah. And the conversation carries on and says, now, since, since we're talking about him, I heard he's coming to town. And he's going to be in, in, in a certain person's home. Remember Joe back home. Let's, let's go get Joe, man. All right? Let's go get Joe. I can't do it alone, but, you know, you guys could help me. So why don't we go and, and, and try to get Joe and take him and bring him together? See, I can't do it alone. When you cannot do it alone, you need other people to help you. If you cannot speak, sometimes, you know, we ask the person is Chinese speaking. We say, could, could you please come and help me? Because I can't do it alone. Or they are Tamil speaking, then we ask somebody else who speaks Tamil. Can you come with me and we'll go there and, and do it. Do you know this church started with me standing in a little hut under a lamp 
pump, you know, the, the kerosene kind of lamp. Little hut by the side of the railway track here in Shah Alam with a Tamil interpreter. That's where our church began. All right? Many, 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 many umpteen years ago. But I couldn't do it. I needed somebody who understood the language, who could speak the language. So in, in everything, if you cannot do it, then at least bring them to church. Carry them and place them in the presence of the Lord. And let the praise and the worship and, and, and whoever is ministering, let somehow a word come from them. Let there be light and the person can get healed. Your sins are forgiven and the person can walk out carrying their stretcher with them. Amen? It was tough. Co cooperation, getting, you know, to cooperate one another. When they came, they didn't come with tools to break the roof. They had to go immediately and say, let's go up there. Okay, can, can one of you, you know, while we put him here, can one of you go find some sharp kind of instrument, whatever it is, a hammer, a chisel, whatever it takes. I don't know if Pastor Stephen would know the tools. I wouldn't. <laughs> I'll just say whatever comes into my hand. They couldn't go to a DIY shop and go buy their stuff. They had to just find whatever was nearby. The sense of urgency. He's speaking. We don't know how long he's speaking. So let's, let's break through the roof. I don't know how we're going to do it. Okay, where do we get a rope? We didn't bring a rope. We didn't think of coming up here and letting him down by a rope. They had to go find a rope. Something strong enough to haul this dead weight body. Come on. All right, now let's, I mean, all these things, cooperation requires effort. Each person has got to do something. I'm so grateful to all of you who have been so supportive. Even during our MCO, you were still giving towards missions as well. And let me tell you something, as you gave, just because you did not go does not mean you don't receive the same blessing. Remember David? goes out to battle and then 200 of his men stay back, 400 go off to battle because they are tired and when they come back with all the spoils and all the blessings and all the riches, the 400 say, these guys didn't go, we only went one. How can you give them? David said, no, everybody receives the same amount of blessing. That's the heart of David, everybody. So bless you, you are also blessed. You don't go, but you send yourself through your finances. Because I always say finances is you in spendable form. And you have given. This is help. Helping others is not a one-person job. A survey was done in churches and it showed that 20% of the people in church do 80% of the work in church. And 80% are church attendees. So get involved. I pray that all the cell leaders have registered themselves for the leaders training because they are very important things that we want to share with you. But every person, more of you need to volunteer. Most of you, more of you need to come in and say, how can we, you know, be of help? Amen? But the emphasis is on bringing your unsaved, uncouth <laughs> friends that are not very nice. It's nice to be with them and joke and laugh with them, but more than that. You want them to come and lay them at the feet of Jesus. Amen. They are stubborn. They don't have faith in God. But we trust in Jesus. I'll carry him. 
you guys come and help me carry this person. Would you please join me in prayer for this certain individual? Cooperation is needed in order for us to bring individuals to the Lord. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So may God, you see, this is what, this is what the Father did. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit decided, let us make man in our image. Amen. God the Father was the initiator. All things were made by Jesus. Without him, there was not anything made that was made. John chapter 1, verses 1, verse 2. The Holy Spirit breathed upon the earth and life came in. The cooperation was there right at the beginning itself. And so God wants that to overflow. That his people also have this thing that we are one in the Lord. But we must help one another. There must be enough concern for one another. May God put the spirit of friendship deep within our hearts. And I'm talking about covenantal friendship. So that that can really build the church of God. Amen. Stand with me as we close in prayer.